0: scores! Gilmore scores! The on three left. Off the glass, and left corner to a Aguila the left circle. Passing to uh, a shot, Save made by Alaguila, three, rebound, another shot, The
1: play's win it! Yeah! Now on SportsNet 960 the Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers. Okay, let's get things going on this Thursday, November 16th. Welcome to the Scotia Bank Saddle Dome and welcome to this hour of Flames Talk. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts with Aaron Vickers of NHL.com. My name is Pat Steinberg. Hello, Vicks. Hello, Patrick. How are we? It's good to be back here. It's yeah. good to be back doing a show from here. It's been a while. It's been a minute. It's been about a week, a little bit more than a week since we've done a show from here. That's because the Flames are on the road through the East, and now they're back at home Thursday night to take on the Vancouver Canucks. And one thing we probably haven't talked enough about of late is the play of Elias Lindholm. Because when you threw out those numbers on Wednesday's show, we were just talking about Jonathan Huberdeau. I, I wasn't aware as to what extent Lindholm was struggling and I I probably should have been but for whatever reason it just it caught me super off guard goalless in 10 consecutive games yes heading into this game against Vancouver and in that span of 10 games without a goal he has just two points both assists and they came in the same game so that means in nine of his last 10 games Lindholm has not registered a point like that is staggering Nine of his last ten, he has not picked up a point. And I know that Jonathan Huberto's struggles are getting the most attention, as they probably should because he is Calgary's $10.5 million player that comes along with the territory. But Jonathan Huberto's struggles, I think, are diverting in a large way the spotlight that would otherwise be on Elias Lindholm and his struggles, especially for a guy being in a contract year. So... If the alarm bells are run, r- ringing, and if the alarm bells are loud on the Huberto front, I think they have to be just as loud on the Lindholm front right now because those numbers are really, really terrifying. Well, and that
2: one is alarming for both the team and the player. Not that it isn't for Jonathan Huberto, but Elias Lindholm's personal situation is a lot different than Jonathan Huberto's. Right, final year of a contract. You're staring unrestricted free agency. Uh, right in the barrel, like here, July 1 is, is your date, if you get there, if there isn't something done beforehand, and nothing leads me to believe that there is. But the team, I mean, 3-1 and one the last five, so they made progress, but the team isn't where it wants to be, the player isn't where he wants to be, he's in a contract year, if, whether it's with Calgary or somewhere else... It's affecting his contract value, but from the team perspective as well, it's affecting his trade value. So alarm bells should certainly be ringing for both the Calgary Flames and Elias Lindholm for the fact that, yeah, 10 games without a goal, two assists in that span, held pointless in nine games, as you mentioned. That is not what you need out of your, I was going to say quote-unquote, but it isn't
1: quote-unquote. It's not what you need out of your number one center. It. He has not been their number one center of late, I was actually debating this when they were going through lines at morning skate Thursday morning. I'm like, do I put Lindholm first? I mean, the way they skated, uh, probably it would have been the Kadri line that went first. They actually went fourth, but I think they just went out of order. It went the Kadri line, then it went the backland line, then it went the Lindholm line, and then finally it went the the fourth line. And and so yeah, Lindholm has not been their number one center over the last number of weeks. That's been Kadri yeah, or 100%. Backlund. Yeah, uh, hundred percent. There's no doubt about it. They need more from Lindholm for all kinds of different reasons. Uh, Elias did address it a little bit in the locker room following morning skate on Thursday. Here's Lindholm on what he's seeing in his game of late and the fact that he does not have a lot of points over his last 10 games. I think I had chances. Um, Just got to put him in. Uh, uh, You know, it would have been different if I, you know, just skated around and didn't have any chances and so on. So uh, it will come. I think, uh, you know, uh, as long as we... You know, the team is playing well, and uh, I know, I'm aware and focused on that. Uh, it's all about winning. winner. How are you feeling about your overall game? And I guess as a player, as long as you're getting them, you feel okay. You certainly want to capitalize, but how would you evaluate the way you're playing? Yeah, I mean, there's obviously room for improvement, but uh, uh, I mean, uh, I think, uh, like I said, I will come. Um, you know, I uh, just got to work harder, and, and, you know, when I get those chances, got to, you know... N- don't grab my stick too hard and and so on. So uh, just, just gotta get back to basics. That was Elias Lindholm on Thursday morning inside the Flames locker room. Do you see anything that gives you an idea as to why it's not coming right now? Like, is it is is there something that you're looking at and saying, oh geez, well this isn't right for him or the line mates aren't? I I'm having a really all I can all I can say is that Lindholm is not putting himself either on the power play or five-on-five five in the same soft spots to get quality shots away like we're used to. He's not getting the high-quality looks that we're used to, and he's not driving play like we're used to. He he had a decent start to the season, but... He has been he has been way easier to knock off Pucks than we're used to. This is one of the strongest guys on his skates on the team. He's been easy to knock off Pucks. I, I will say he's still been great on the penalty kill. But five on five and on the power play, we are not seeing him do the things that we're used to him doing. Even even from last year when he was playing with Tyler Toffoli all year long. It's um and, and so that's why I say that's what I'm seeing. Those things aren't happening, but the why, I, I really have no idea why it's happening. I want to walk this back a little bit to
2: the clip because what Elias Lindholm said, I think there's a parallel to be drawn to what Nazem Khadri was saying when we were asking him the same questions when he had one assist through seven games and the production wasn't there, and Nazem Kadri's like, well, yeah, if I just keep going this way, they're going to go in. I feel like I'm getting my chances, and Elias Lindholm was somewhat similar in that. But watching Elias Lindholm He doesn't strike me as a player that's just snake bit right now. And when Nazem Kadri said, you know, I just got to keep plugging away. I feel they're there. I'm getting chances. The underlying analytics, at least the NHL edge underlying analytics, backed Nazem Kadri up. He was in the top 92nd percentile in high danger shots on goal and 94th percentile in offensive zone time at five on five. But when you look at Elias Lindholm's analytics – Expected goals percentage is forty seven point eight. This is for the duration of the season. This isn't even just, you know, the past ten games. That's twelfth on the team. Corsi Ford, fifty-two percent, twelfth on the team. If you want to dig into the NHL edge, he's in the seventy-sixth, seventy-eighth percentile in high danger shots. So twenty-two percent buffer there. So he's not in the top ten percent in the league. He's not in the top twenty percent in the league in that. And what's worse is he's in the sixty-first percentile in even strength offensive zone time. So we're not counting power play time here. That's barely inside the top 40% of the league. You're almost teetering on literal average at 50%. Yeah. So none of the underlying metrics give me inspiration that he's. Oh, he just needs to get one, and then the next one, and then the next one's coming, like it was with Nazem Kadri. Because as much as we were on Nazem Kadri for not producing, I think we were fair enough to identify that. Okay, well, what Nazem Kadri's saying. The underlying, the goals assist points aren't backing it up, but offensive zone time, high danger chances, things of that sort, we're backing up what Nazem Qadri is saying. I don't have a lot of, from the eye test and from what the numbers show, I don't see a lot of those, I just need one to break through. Now, confidence is a funny thing. You get one, maybe you get two, you start feeling better about yourself in this ship rights, but the underlying metrics as they stand right now don't paint the story of, He's getting chance after chance after chance no, and just not I, capitalizing.
1: I, I think that you could have made that – argument a whole lot better with Elias Lindholm but when you take a look at some of the 5 on 5 underlyings they do not paint this in a very good light at all so to see Lindholm 19th on the team on his 5 on 5 shot share with 50.3% that's that's low that's yeah. that and and from your number 1 center and he's doing it with about just under a 50% offensive zone start so it's not even like he's driving himself just into the black from starting way in the red he's starting at about 50-50. He's forty-eight point five percent on his offensive zone starts, so just a few more D zone starts than O zone starts. So that's a little um, that's a little alarming. Five on five shots, four shots against, even ninety-three-93. He's been outscored eight to five when he's been on the ice and five on five, or the Flames have been outscored eight to five when he's been on the ice. Expected goals just over forty-six percent. Scoring chances ninety eight eighty three for the other team when he's out there and at high danger even at thirty three aside that is not the type of play driving that we're used to from Lindholm and so I've got to ask the question is this related to is is this is this a a mental thing is this a, a discomfort thing. I'll get right to it. Does this have to do with the fact that he does not have a contract and his situation is uncertain going forward? Is he going to be here? If he's not going to be here, where is he going to be? If he is going to be here, what's that contract going to look like? Now contract talks have been halted on both sides. I got to I gotta wonder if what we're seeing from Elias Lindholm is very much related to his very uncertain future. And and I don't know whether or not the answer is yes or no. I think there's a decent enough chance the answer is yes, though. And I think that would be, I think a lot of players would have difficulty playing in that situation where you really don't know what's going to happen. But I think it's a fair question to ask right now. I think it's only human
2: nature when you have an uncertain future, to have that way on you somewhat. And this isn't just a... Oh, well, how's my job going? This is where in North America am I doing my job next year? Where am I doing it in a month from now? right
1: well, He's got a—it's a new family. He's got a, yeah, a young family, a, a young child, and you know he's—he's he's only recently married in the last couple of years. Like this is a very there, there's a lot of life implications that go into what comes next on top of just the the work side of it, right? So there's that element, and
2: I wonder if the rotating cast of left wingers and right wingers—how we talk about trying to find a spot for John. Jonathan Huberto, and how Huberto's bounced around. Well, Elias Lindholm's line mates have changed just as frequently as anybody on the team, so I wonder if the lack of consistent line mates and finding a rhythm and finding some chemistry plays into it as well because, again, just everything we see from, at least from my eye test and the underlying numbers, don't paint the picture of Elias Lindholm from two seasons ago when he had 40 goals, 40 assists, or even last year when he was anchoring that top line with Tyler Toffoli on the right side. Like, I'm just not seeing yeah. the same player that the Calgary Flames have, you know, they, that the Calgary Flames know and love. It hasn't been the same Elias Lindholm, and whether that's line mates, whether that's contract, whether that's something else that we're not privy to, I don't know. But the fact of the matter is this situation isn't helping Elias Lindholm, the individual, and it's not helping the Calgary Flames as a team.
1: No, and, and I think that there's probably just as much of an argument to be made about a chemistry thing. He found chemistry early on last year with Tyler Toffoli. It didn't work with Huberto on that line. But with Toffoli, he they and Lindholm worked really well thieves. together. And then obviously the year before, we know the type of chemistry he had with Gaudreau and Kachuk. So I think when you mix a difficult a difficult job finding that right mix for him to play with on top of the fact that he is in an uncertain contract situation. It feels like there's been a little throughout this whole thing. It feels like it's been somewhat contentious in terms of, What the like the the negotiations between the Flames and the Lindholm camp, even going back to that golf tournament when he was, I don't want to standoffish is the wrong word, just somewhat felt like he had his backup when he was asking when he was asked about the contract and his future with the team, all that type of stuff. So you take all of that into account. Yeah, I can see why it might be a, a difficult season, but as you've said, this is not helping Lindholm's. Leverage. This is not helping the Lindholm camp in trying to get a big, fat contract for a center iceman entering unrestricted free agency for the first time. Not helping in that respect. It's not helping raise his trade value no. if you're the Flames and you're not going to be keeping him. I do think... I'm less worried. Worried's the wrong word, but I think it has less of an impact on trade value because I do think he'll be coveted for his two-way game. We're not that far removed from him being a Selke finalist. We we know he's got 20 to 30 goals in him every single year. Whether he gets there this year or not, we'll see. But I think that. As you move closer to the deadline, you'll still be able to get uh, a haul for Lindholm, whether he's having a great year and he turns it around or if he continues to struggle. So I'm not as – I don't think it has as much of an impact on his trade value, but, boy, it sure does – I think it has a significant effect on your leverage when you're trying to negotiate a brand-new contract. And if we thought he was looking for, like, $9.5 million, well, the way things are going right now, that's not a $9.5 million player, right? Right.
2: Oh, no, he's got two goals in 15 games. He's on pace for ballparking it 10 goals. Is that being generous? I'm going to do the math on the fly here because I'm not really that great at doing math, generally speaking. So his 2 and 15 translates to 11 goals on the season. His 8 points in 15 games translates to a little bit higher than Jonathan Huberto, but not significantly higher. We're talking about a player that's... If he goes pointless tonight, he's on pace for 41. I can do that math because it'd be 8-16. and 16. That's half a point per game, 82 games, 41 points. I'm good on the fly on that one. But those aren't top-line center numbers. Those aren't 1B center numbers. Yeah. And as coveted as he will be for his two-way play, as you mentioned, and he's still really good. Like he's, To be fair, he's only minus four on this team.
1: And, and he's, which his penalty-killing
2: penalty work remains elite. Yes, but at the same time, if you want to be talked about as a top 30 center in the NHL, you've got to be a lot closer to a point-per-game player than half a point.
1: And then here's the last thing that I'll ask or throw out there before I hit the text line, because lots of response on the text line at nine sixty nine sixty. Is Is this a situation where player and agent are regretting not taking a contract that was on the table in the summertime? Because if you're the Flames... You you can't be offering a contract in any way, shape, right. or form to Lindholm right now. The way your group is going, the way Lindholm is playing, like that that has got and and we know that that contract talks have been halted. But until like you get a significant stretch of time where Lindholm looks like a number one center on your team again, like you can't be having those contract talks. So that that eight times nine, that $72 million or whatever it was that we believe was on the table during the summertime, I, I wonder how much player and agent are saying, maybe we should have taken that the way things have gone. I mean, who knows? Maybe if that contract is signed, we're not having these same conversations about Lindholm right now, but if you're them, you're like, maybe was that a miscalculation? I guess we'll find out as the the weeks and months go along.
2: Well, as we're sitting here today on Thursday, he's 95 games in roughly 18 months removed from scoring 42 goals and 82 points mm-hmm. in 82 games playing between Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk. Since then, he had 22 goals and 64 points in 80 games, which is still solidly productive. It's not a point-per-game pace, and... If we're going to look at numbers here, I feel like he should be a 30, 35-ish guy for 75 points. But he's sitting at two goals and eight points in 15 games right now. So suddenly, uh, a 40-goal point-per-game pace is going to net you somewhere around 9, 9 9.5 to going down to a 0.75-ish pace. All right, are we going to peel some off? Was was the 2022-23 season just a down season? Or is that what we're going to expect Elias Lindholm to be year in, year out, that 20 did you,
1: did you do the 40? Uh, did you do the projected points
2: over 82? Uh, for this season? Yeah. Well, I, I ballparked it and went 41 because I couldn't do that math on the fly. Pretty
1: close. Price is right rules. You would have done well. Thank you. Uh, just over 43 points so if is you're, what he's if, on if pace for right now. If
2: you're a even 50-point center... And again, it's not just all about points with Elias Lindholm. Like he is an, when he's on, he's an elite two way player. And you mentioned the penalty kill. You mentioned the work he does in his own end. You mentioned that he's been a Selkie nominee. But what is a fifty point guy worth on the open market? Who has the history? He just, I can't imagine that the. If I'm an NHL GM, I don't know if I'm necessarily lining up to offer nine plus million at this point. And if. I don't know exactly what would have been on the table or where the negotiation was at when it was parked, but if all the rumors and all the reports between 8.5 and 9 were true, suddenly you're losing a million-plus per season on a long-term deal, as it stands right now in my books. If not, you know, double that.
1: Yeah. Uh, text line nine sixty nine sixty. Let's hit it before we talk a little bit about Huberdeau. Um, this from Mike. Is it one hundred percent fair to blame Lindholm, who's lost three of his best wingers in the past two off seasons, and then has been forced to play with Huberdeau, who he has zero chemistry with? He looked more effective last game, so maybe he's better going forward. Um, is it fair? Is it fair to solely blame Lindholm? No. But is it a, if if you're a number one center? You need Should to have you, some positive impact in driving your line. And and whoever's on your line, right? Should you yes. not be a guy that is expected to elevate? You know, when when he was playing with Monaghan and Gaudreau, when he was playing with Gaudreau and Kachuk, you know, a lot of times he was like, oh, Lindholm's the fixer on that line. Well... Now you don't have the same type of skill, maybe, that you're playing, but can you elevate guys around you? That's kind of the mark of being uh, a number one center in this league. Um, this says he should get the same as Ryan Nugent Hopkins in Edmonton. That comes from Chris. Uh, this says at Lindholm's current production, we're basically talking about a prime Michael Backlund, so nowhere near 7 8 or $9 million. Matt and Cochran uh, says... Let's not forget inflation, though. True, but... Still, would would Backlund Prime Backlund be seven, eight, or nine? Well, right in now?
2: all fairness, Backlund is Prime Backlund right now, so maybe I'm Fair, misinterpreting a little bit. Fair, but just age-wise, back if, when Backlund was 28 and hitting his
1: like a Backlund straddling 30, is he getting seven, eight, or nine in this economy? Probably not. Uh, Matt and Cochran says Lindholm isn't a true top-line center. He's shown that over the past two seasons away from his superstar teammates, Kedro and Kachuk. I'd say he'd be number two center on 85% of teams, and the only cup contender he'd be an upgrade on one center would be Boston. Um, I don't know about 85% of teams. I think he'd be a number one center on a good chunk of teams when he's good, uh, but on cup contenders, I, I grant you that, Matt. Um, this says Lindholm's been this team's first-line center, but he's not an actual first-line center. He's never been a play driver. I disagree with that because he has been. Um, this says uh, from Jerry and Okotokes Pat, come on. Why is Nylander doing so well stop making excuses lindholm needs to be better lindholm does need to be better but i don't i think that's an apples to oranges comparison William Nylander knows he's staying in Toronto. William Nylander isn't worried about being traded. The Toronto Maple Leafs have Stanley Cup expectations. I don't think there's any uncertainty, at least for the next year, the next season, the re- the remainder of this season, where Nylander's going to play. Um, so I, I, I do think that's a big-time apples-to-oranges comparison. And Nylander's having a hell of a year, but I'm... Pretty confident Nylander's going to sign back in Toronto when it's all said and done. And at the very worst, he'll play out the season with the Maple Leafs before a decision is made. That's how I look at it anyway.
2: Boy, is your face going to be red when he's dealt
1: tomorrow, hey? Yeah, absolutely. We could play that back and make fun of me nonstop. Uh, Greg in Varsity says, on the bright side, Lindholm's PK work has been excellent. Agreed. Yep. Uh, this says, Pat, the problem with Lindholm is he knows he's klingberg himself and every game he gets further away from the bag he left on the table this summer. If you knew you'd cost yourself tens of millions of dollars, it would affect your performance too. Pride goeth before the fall. Uh, this from Noah in Cranston. Wouldn't Lindholm want to be impressing as much as he can to maximize his return on a new contract? I think this is more indicative of a pylon for the line mate than anything else, and the stats are being pulled down because of that. Um this says Lindholm looks like a guy that doesn't want to be here. He's checked out. Uh, this says Lindholm is pouting. This says from Curtis and Ogden, uh, Lindholm needs to go. He's not committing to this team. He doesn't want to be here, and it's evident. Trade him for picks. Who cares? Get him out of here. And here's another one. Lindholm's pouting. He doesn't care enough. So there's just a little bit of the response at 960, 960. Now, I just want to go pull this up if I got a second. Um, if you want to react to a couple of those facts. Yeah, texts, i, have- I I just want to pull this up if I can, see how quickly I can do this.
2: I'll respond to the pouting thing because I don't think he's, nothing in his body language, nothing in his demeanor uh, leads me to believe that he's pouting or throwing a tantrum or anything like that. And to go back to the, he should be wanting to play to boost his value. Yeah, he's probably not happier. I I can't imagine the scenario where Elias Lindholm is coming to the rink or leaving the rink and going, yeah, I don't care. I'm not too worried about it, whether it's from a a personal pride standpoint, whether it's from a next contract standpoint. It doesn't behoove Elias Lindholm to go 10 straight without a goal for personal or financial or team reasons. So I'll push back on that a little bit.
1: Um, So this is what I wanted to bring up. Uh, This is uh, Lindholm's with or without you numbers playing with Jonathan Huberdeau. Uh, So Huberdeau and Lindholm have played 129 minutes and 52 seconds with one another. Uh, They are a 53.2% five-on-five possession duo when they are out there together. However, Lindholm without Huberdeau has been 44.4%. Uh, Lindholm without Huberdo is a under 45% possession player without Huberdo. He's above 53% with Huberdeau. Uh, so what I am trying to illustrate is the whole idea of Huberdo being the anchor and the reason why Lindholm is struggling, at least by possession metrics, that is not necessarily telling the full story. Just
2: to put you on the spot, do you have Huberdo
1: without Lindholm? Uh, I do. Huberto without Lindholm is 46.4%. Okay. So they're both they're both worse away from, from each other. other
2: so far. That uh that's interesting because I mean the narrative would be and we've seen it on the tax line and is that okay, we'll get Lindholm away from Huberto for an extended period of time. But the numbers don't bear that out.
1: I just want to go take a look at uh expected goals here as well. Um So expected goals together, 48.4%. Lindholm without Huberdeau, 42.2%. So a 6% drop in expected goals. And high danger scoring chances, Lindholm's at 54.8% with Huberdeau and 41.7% without him. So Huberdeau's actually been
2: helping... Elias
1: Lindholm and Lindholm has numbers. been helping Huberdeau as well because yeah. the the on, right. on both fronts Huberdeau way worse without Lindholm Lindholm way worse without Huberdeau. So I guess I just wanted to bring those numbers up because the the there is a narrative that while it's clearly Huberdeau that's bringing Lindholm down I I grant you that they have not had super sexy chemistry with one another since it's Lindholm no got here. Vickers, I can yeah, tell you that. This much. is this is not a hotel room in Penticton or, or Nashville. Nashville. Uh, but I guess I guess the point would be that it just it's it's maybe the the underlying numbers aren't telling that same story that these guys are actually better with each other than apart from one another I test doesn't always back that up for, for lots. I, I, get, I grant you that. I just think that's an interesting is there, kind of side story to it. Is
2: there a large enough sample size apart? Like you mentioned, it was 130-ish minutes together. What's their time apart? It's got to be somewhere higher than that, I would think. How, uh, long, how long have we done this line juggle where we've split everybody apart from each other? So every- they've
1: played 130 together and 75 minutes away.
2: Okay. So still the overwhelming is almost two to one together. So sample size-ish, but still 75 minutes is a healthy sample size as it stands. Those are just curious numbers that together each is better than apart. It's not one being freed from the other and taking off.
1: A uh, few more texts. We'll we'll skip the Huberto conversation. I feel like we've talked about Jonathan Huberto once or twice in uh, the last last day or so. Um, you know, two to three thousand times uh, since about July of 2022. Um, this reads from. Noah in, no, no, not that one. I've already read that one. This is from Peter in Calgary. Pat, I'm so sick of the fabricated excuses. Nylander manned up in Toronto. Lindholm and Huberto have been brutal. Like the line and the Godfather, this is the business we chose, so suck it up and earn your money. Uh, this says Lindholm's pouting because he still hasn't found that Steinberg coin he's been looking for. Yeah, That's, that's probably is, not it, Wedley. Is that it's a probably, callback? No, I think it's just he... Yeah. Styling and profiling—that's there... me, that's me, baby. Um, Nathan and Mackenzie Town. I'm shocked at all the Lindholm trashing. He's been the best player on the team for a long time, barring maybe Kachuk. It's not trashing; it's pointing out a fact that because we're so used to a high standard from number 28, that what you're seeing right now is is very surprising. Um, This says, I feel Lindholm usually starts strong and runs out of gas throughout the year. This year, his slow start is concerning. That's from Dave. Uh, This says, guys, had Lindholm had his game together, they would have beaten Toronto. He's definitely lost a step. He should be traded. Um, So there you go. That's just a uh, little bit of the response on the text line at 960-960. So it's, uh, it's, it's a significant story. There's no doubt about it. And I do believe that the... Huberto situation has maybe allowed the Lindholm spotlight to, fly not under the to radar. be as hot or yeah the Lindholm story to fly under the radar we'll bring Wilsey into the conversation on this in just a second uh, but I do want to tell you that coming up on November 23rd uh, we are going to be live on location at Adrenaline Source for Sports. What's November 23rd you ask? That just happens to be U.S. Thanksgiving. Uh, we'll be live on location Sportsnet today with Logo and then Flames Talk will be at Adrenaline Source for Sports next Thursday don't miss their massive black friday sales event which starts the next day it goes november 24th and through the weekend to the 26th you can save up to 40 percent on branded and licensed apparel get up to 30 percent off adrenaline's hockey brands like bauer ccm true and warrior with some exclusions shop every category including yeti drinkware and coolers and find great savings all black friday weekend long the address, you know where it is, 9309 McLeod Trail, South. Come join us at Adrenaline Source for Sports. It'll be good to be back at one of our homes away from home. That is next Thursday, U.S. Thanksgiving, November 23rd. Uh, at Adrenaline, we fit your game. Flamestock is live on Calgary's hockey station. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, time for a Thursday edition of our Daily Flames Roundtable, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. The GLC 300 formatic coupe is built for winter. Loyalty lease rate of 3.99% on a 48-month lease. Zero down for $1,099 a month. No payments until 2024. The gang's all together in person. It's Pat vickers and uh, now Derek wills the voice of the flames here at the scotia bank saddledome as well a live and in person daily flames round table you've been in the room the entire hour willsy you've been listening to vickers and i talk about elias lindholm why do you think things have been such a struggle for him it's been about the last month it's almost a month ago that lindholm scored his last goal uh why why has it been such a struggle for him of late
0: I don't know. It's a great question. I'm sure it's one he's asking himself. I'm sure it's one that uh, the coaches are asking when, when they talk about this team. And it's, I think it could be a couple of things. Prior to the start of the season, I think we all said at one point in time that we felt that these pending UFAs, if they weren't signed before the start of the season, could become a distraction for right. the team and the fact that they didn't have a contract in place could become a distraction for them. And different guys handle being a, a pending UFA differently. Some guys, like Johnny Godrill, for example, uh, play the best hockey of their life, yep. and they get the big deal that they wanted. Other guys, maybe it weighs on them a little bit more, and I do wonder if that has been the case with Elias Lindholm. We know he can play at an elite level, Uh, And when he's right is one of the best 200 foot centermen in this league, but it's been a struggle for him and the goals and the points simply haven't been there. I mean, he's tied for second on the team in points with eight, but the bar's obviously pretty low when it comes to that. It's a flames team that struggled to score in a lot of games, but you know, more recently pointless in five and goalless with just two assists in his last 10 games. That's not the Elias Lindholm we're used to seeing here in Calgary and Guys earlier this season when Nazem Kadri was struggling to score goals and produce points, I think what gave him hope and gave Flames fans hope was that he was getting the chances. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like Elias Lindholm is getting a ton of chances right now at five on five or on the power play. It feels like he's getting more chances on the penalty kill on that terrific tandem with Michael Backlund. They're certainly getting some chances shorthanded, but... It's, uh, it's been a struggle for him. I, I do wonder if the contract, uh, or lack thereof, is weighing on him. He's also been a little bit snake bitten. He is tied for the third worst shooting percentage in the NHL. You know who he's tied with? Michael Backlund.
2: <laughs> Not ideal.
0: Scott Lawton has the worst shooting percentage in the league. Matthew Kachuk has the second worst shooting percentage in the NHL amongst players with 40 or more shots and goals. So uh, I wonder if for Elias Lindholm and uh, his sometimes left winger Jonathan Huberdeau, if one big game, a couple of goals and an assist, something along those lines uh, could get them going. But they haven't had one of those games, so uh, we haven't been able to find out. Yeah, I guess
2: to your point, Willsie, he is tied for second on the team in shots on the season with 40. So it's not like he's not putting pucks to the net but, and you would know this better than I since you called the games and from center or center ice into the offensive zone. I don't know how frequently you're saying Elias Lindholm's name, but the stats over the last 10 games certainly don't bear it out. He had, I believe it was a, a goal and five assists in his first five games of the season, and then the last 10, as you mentioned, has yeah. been without a point in nine of those contests. It's not ideal. And like you, I wonder if it's a, a contract situation weighing on him a little bit. I wonder if it's a quasi constant rotation of guys on his left side and guys on his right side and not being able to find chemistry just by way of a rotating cast of wingers that he's had to deal with but at the end of the day this isn't a player that strikes me as snake bit the same way that Nazem Qadri was earlier in the season again he's been he's just barely inside the top 40 percent of players in offensive zone time and this is a guy that's for the last three or four seasons, has been perennially a top-line player for the Calgary Flames. We're just not seeing it through at the last month of the season.
1: Yeah, uh, and I just um, uh, I, I was just been pulling up some numbers while you guys have been talking. You know, one of the things that Lindholm's all part part of this is is a little skewed because Lindholm is especially now at this point with Coronado not here, I think Lindholm's their best outside shooter. Like yep, yep. The, the guy with the most dangerous shot from outside the slot, but he's also a guy that does a nice job of finding areas in and around the house. And, and in those high danger areas, he finds a soft spot very well and gets his shot away. And so, Somewhat alarming is just, even from last year where his numbers were a little down, how far the high danger scoring chances have fallen. So, last year at 5-on-5, Lindholm was 2.9 high danger scoring chances per 60 minutes. He's now at 2.64, and... At all strengths, when you count in the power play, last year he was 3.82 per 60 minutes, and he's down to 2.84. So, like, he's not even getting himself in the good spots in high-danger areas the same way that we're used to with him. I I, I think there are, there are two things here, and I, I don't know to which extent, one is playing into it more than the other, but I think the contract stuff, I, I can't sit here and tell you that I don't believe it has something to do with it. To your point, Wilsey, uh, I think it has to. Whether it's distraction or he's frustrated or he's uncertain or whatever, I think that is absolutely a part. And then, yeah, it's been a real struggle to find consistent chemistry with line mates, You, you combine those two things and you have a really
0: frustrating season and a really frustrating month. Yeah. There's been a revolving door on his left wing and on his right wing this season. So he hasn't been able to build chemistry with anybody. And hey, part of that's on him. He's had a chance to do it with a guy who has proven throughout his career that he's one of the best playmakers in the league and Jonathan Huberdeau, and that combination, at least to this point, hasn't worked for the Flames. But obviously Elias Lindholm wants to help himself and wants to help his team because that's what's best for Lindholm, and that's what's best for the Flames. Even if he's decided that he doesn't want to sign here long term, and I'm not saying that he has, uh, he hasn't given us that indication. But even if he has decided that that's the direction he's going in, he would still want to produce to, right. to help his current team yeah. and to, to make it easier for right. them to move him uh, to his future team. So And uh, maybe that trade, if it happens, and that's a still a big if for me, uh, comes with some sort of extension, whether it's a sign-and-trade or the Flames allow whatever team or teams they're talking to to negotiate with his agent. Because if you're going to maximize your return for a guy like Elias Lindholm, you would probably want to allow that the, the team or teams that you're talking to to have a chat with them so they have a better understanding mm-hmm. of whether or not this would be a rental situation or a, potentially a player they were acquiring uh, for a longer period of time. So uh, they got to get him going. He's got to get himself going, and, and he's not the only one. Uh, right now, uh, the Flames... I think they were a one-line team in Montreal on Tuesday night, and they won despite that. I don't think you're going to win as a one-line team against Vancouver tonight. They've got to get at least one or two more lines going, and uh, one of those lines is probably going to have to be centered by Lindholm. Just to touch
2: on the rotating cast for Elias Lindholm this season, the Flames have had 16 forward lines play at least 10 minutes together at 5-on-5. Lindholm's been a part of six of them. That's 37.5%. So you want to talk about a player that's constantly rotating through different line mates? He's had different line mates. Like, of the lines that have played 10, even strength, he's been on six different lines of those. Yeah, It's tough to find chemistry. It's tough to elevate your opponent. It's tough to be elevated by your line mates. In situations like that, when you're constantly having a guy that looks different on your left and looks different on your right, game in, game out. Yep.
1: Well, that's the the Lindholm conversation. Let's uh, move into our second topic on our Daily Flames roundtable. Derek Wills, uh, Aaron Vickers, Pat Steinberg along with you. Guys, when the uh, Flames drop the puck Thursday night against the Vancouver Canucks, they'll be hosting uh, the number one team in the Western Conference. Here we are in November 16th, and the Canucks at 12-3-1. They're coming off a come-from-behind win in overtime over the New York Islanders on Wednesday night. Guys, what do we make? of the start to the season for the Vancouver Canucks. How stunned are we by what this group has done to start the year?
0: Well, I thought they would be better, but I didn't think they'd be this good. They're off to the best start in franchise history with 12 wins and 25 points in their first 16 games. Their plus 34 goal differential is 14 goals better than any other team in the league. So close. I mean, unbelievable. And how about the trio of Quinn Hughes, JT Miller and Elias Pettersson? Yep. They're tied for first in the Art Ross Trophy race. They've all got 26 points through 16 games. It's the first trio of teammates with 26 or more points in 16 games since Daniel Alfredson, Danny Heatley, and Jason Spezza with the Senators back in 2005-2006. Mm. been a minute. Yeah, it's been more than a minute. Uh, they are in a bit of a PDO heater right now. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know what PDO is, it's uh, the team shooting percentage and the team save percentage added up. Uh, they're at 1.056, which is way better than anybody else. They've got uh, the third highest shooting percentage at 11.50. Uh, the third highest save percentage at 941. So chances are those two numbers will level out a little bit at least moving forward, but everything's clicking for this team right now. And, and the reason I thought they would be better, I thought they started to take some strides after the coaching change last season. Rick Tockett Basically said, listen, we're going to play a certain way. And if you don't play that way, you're not going to play. Mm-hmm. And he put his foot down. And it took a little bit of time, but they started to turn it. Uh, they've got a healthy goaltender in Thatcher Co who's looked elite so far this season. I've liked their talent up front for quite some time. I don't love their depth, but they've got a lot of talent up front. And on the back end, I think that's been their big Achilles heel. And I don't love them on defense, but I like them a lot more than I have in a number of seasons. There's a little bit banged up back there right now. Tucker Poolman's out for the year. Carson Susi, we just found out, is going to be out six to eight weeks. That's a, a big blow. Yom Brisebois, a depth guy, has missed every game this season. He's out indefinitely. So when I look at this team, they are a little bit top-heavy, but They have so much talent in their top six at forward and in their top three on defense, and they're getting such good goaltending, not just from Thatcher Demko, but from the newly acquired Casey DeSmith. They've just been a juggernaut so far this season. Do I think they're going to finish first overall? No, but I'd be shocked if they didn't finish top three in the division at this point. Yeah. Uh, I think they're going to probably add in defense, which could make them even better moving forward. Yeah, I am
2: absolutely floored that 15, 16 games in, we're talking about a Vancouver Canucks team that's tied for first in the Pacific Division and first in the Western Conference. And you ran through some of the numbers, Wilsey, and being first in PDO in the league is certainly aiding that start. Their goal is four against, plus, minus, whatever you want to call it. It's absolutely elite when it comes to the NHL. And I'm not surprised that they're improved, I thought a healthy Thatcher Demko was going to play a big Mm -hmm. part in it. And you just look at the internal growth from some of their younger players like Quinn Hughes, like Elias like Those are elite, elite, elite young players in this league, and they've all taken the next step. But I don't know if I'm willing to throw money on the fact that this team is going to be one that competes for a Pacific Division title or a Western Conference title or the President's Trophy. You mentioned some of the things going right, having the top three scorers in the league all tied at 26 points. Brock Besser, let's not forget about him. He's ninth in scoring and tied for first in goals. But Besser shooting 28.3% this year. Miller's shooting 27.0%. Even Pedersen, which I think is a little bit more sustainable at 18%, given the fact that his release and the, the yeah, velocity yeah. of his shot is absolutely elite. But suddenly that shooting percentage is going to creep down from some of your top players. Save percentage of 932 for Thatcher Demko. That is absolutely elite, given how we've seen save percentages trend over the last couple Mm -hmm. of seasons. That's got to come down at some point. He's got 12 goals saved above expected. Expected goals against average. 3.16, 3.16, he's sitting at 2.04. Like, that is an absolute yeah. massive swing. So we're going to see some regression of the Vancouver Canucks. Certainly not enough in my books to take them out of a Pacific Division playoff spot or a top three spot in the division. But I don't necessarily see this team competing. But again, their top end, their young players have been absolutely elite. But like you, Willsey, I don't know if I necessarily care for their Bottom six or their you know bottom three defenders, and I think that's something that might catch up to
1: them. They said nothing but good things about you, so I don't know what your problem is. Uh, the uh, couple things I'd so, like to
2: know what they said about me. Actually, we'll talk you, about that off air. Well,
1: I've seen I've seen Brock Besser walk by and yep. a couple other guys walk just a by. Tip so, of the cap. Well, just and and I I will say this because uh, the Canucks are here and uh, our room is in very very close proximity. We're almost adjacent to the Canucks locker room. So also I'll I'll take an L on it. I I didn't see this. In any way, shape, or form, I was rather the opposite of bullish on the Canucks. I was like, "Really?" But a couple of things I did not take into account. First of all, to the people wondering, um, are we at an active construction site? Kind of. <laughs> uh, and this is constructing. Does uh, does Cam have a saw back in the studio? He just fires up whenever he gets bored. No, that's the Canucks saw. They're cutting their sticks. If you've never listened to this show on a game day, that's what happens when we're down here in the Hot Stove Lounge. I digress. I did not I did not give enough credit to what having a healthy right. Thatcher Demko could do. Demko was not great before he got hurt last year. He got fully healthy and then we saw it in a couple games against the Flames down the stretch Willzy last year. Like Demko was out of his mind and was elite after coming back from his injury and he's just carried that over. Like right now if the season ended today, and I know it doesn't on November 16th, but if the season ended today, Thatcher Demko would be the Vesna Trophy yep. winner. Quinn Hughes would be the Norris Trophy yep. winner. Elias Pettersson would be the Hart Trophy winner. Like th- That's how good these guys have been for the Canucks so far. And so I did not give the return of an elite, high-end Demko enough credit in what it could do for the Canucks. And, and probably didn't see... I. Pedersen being where he is, not a huge surprise just because I've I've thought so highly of him as a player for so long. What I didn't expect was just another step from Quinn Hughes because – Quinn turned into a pretty damn good all-round defenseman last year, had good offensive numbers. Well, now he's a really good all-round defenseman who's leading the league in scoring. And and to, to see that type of jump, I didn't necessarily saw. So, no, I'm stunned by it. I give him credit. And I think to your point, guys, do I think they're going to win the West? Probably not. But do I think they've done enough? As we're a week away from U.S. Thanksgiving right now. Do I think they've done enough to kind of protect the playoff spot for the rest of the year? Yeah, the stats, his history would show the answer is probably yes.
0: Maybe we sh- shouldn't be surprised that Quinn Hughes has taken another step. I guess surprised in the sense that he was already really good. Can he be even better? Well, he's been even better, but if you go back to March 28th of 2019 when he made his NHL debut, his 267 career points are tied for most in the league by a defenseman mm-hmm. with Kale McCarr. So he's been right there. And
1: that's with a 100-point season from
0: Carlson last year. Uh, I mean, he's right there with the best offensive defenseman in the league. And and sure, Thatcher Demko, having him healthy has been huge for them. But for me, what has held them back is their defense. Mm -hmm. And Quinn Hughes has taken another step. We've talked about that. I loved the trade they made with the Red Wings to get Philip Roenick, who... I was shocked that Steve Iserman let him go. But he did, and he's been a great fit playing primarily on a pair with Hughes this season. And then you bring in a couple of veteran guys, Carson Soucy, Ian Cole, who's won a couple of the Stanley Cups, and now Tyler Myers slots better. So for me, the biggest reason... Why they've taken a step this season is they improved their blue line. They had talent up front. They had a number one goaltender uh, in Demko. But defensively, they were a disaster for years. They aren't anymore. And, and now they're looking at adding one or yeah. two guys, maybe one or two guys here. So, yeah, they're they're a really good hockey team. Uh, and I, I thought they'd be better, but I certainly didn't think they'd be this good. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing them tonight. Me but too. I'll, I'll add this. Flames with a six game point streak against the Canucks. 5 0 1. So we'll see if they can stretch that and uh, continue to trend in the right direction, having picked up uh, at least a point in four of their last five.
1: The uh, last thing I'll
0: say on Vancouver,
1: they're uh, five on five. High danger scoring chances are 157 138 for the opposition. Really? Wow. High danger goals are 23-9 for Vancouver. Thatcher Demko that and tells Casey DeSmith. And Kay. what their goal thinnings I not. got one more quick one yeah. for you.
0: I'm going to mention this uh, in our pregame hit as well. Thatcher Demko with 8.81 high danger goals saved above average. Leads the league. You know who's second? Markstrom. Jacob Markstrom yeah. at 5.45. So We got a great battle between the pipes tonight.
1: You know, Demko and Markstrom Although Demko's be... probably
0: not starting. Probably DeSmith. Probably he's Casey DeSmith. He's yeah.
1: been good, too. Uh, he's Derek Wills. He's Aaron Vickers. You got anything to add? You had I very... was
2: just expecting you to finish the sentence saying that Markstrom and Demko were teammates. Oh, they were. Did the,
1: the, the, you know they used to be teammates? At Boston College, right? Yes. Yeah. With Johnny Gaudreau. Bye. Yeah. Ha! <laughs> Jacob Markstrom was great in the NCAA. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we're kidding. We thank with you. We the Vancouver Canucks. I just want to make sure that we, you know we're kidding. Uh, he's Derek Wills. He's Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. That'll start to wrap us up this hour on Flames Talk as uh, Aaron Vickers on Twitter at AA Vickers. Our producers, Cam and Shan. Thank you, boys. And that'll wrap us up on our Daily Flames Roundtable brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. The GLC 300 formatic coupe is built for winter. Loyalty lease rate of 3.9. 9% on a 48 month lease, zero down for 1099 a month. No payments until 2024.